All right, we are live. What's up, y'all? It is Will here with Schedule Fly, and I've got Mark Doble from Aviator Brewing on the phone today. Um, got to meet Mark a few months ago. Hung out at his brewery, drank some of his beer, and had a great conversation about a really phenomenal story. And I, I'd highly recommend listening to that episode just to hear the backstory about Aviator and why it's named Aviator. It's an incredible, cool story of entrepreneurial drive and vision and uh it was just great talking to mark the first time and appreciate uh mark you taking the time to catch up today yeah definitely all right man so i mean things have things have been a little weird lately uh (laughs) uh, but i was glad to hear yesterday we were going to do this and you had to we punted and did it today because of a um an order of 800 cases y'all had to bottle. So what's going on with Aviator right now, man? How's business? Uh, kind of running short-staffed at the brewery. Uh, there's four of us here. And uh, we're cranking out tons of beer. Have, so uh, we, still, we still deliver beer to through our wholesalers to grocery stores. And the beer sales in the grocery stores are pretty good right now. So we're just we're canning up a few thousand cases every week and getting it out the door. Okay, How, what's the volume compared to what it would have been if you know under normal circumstances? Um, our off-premise volume, which is basically packaged beer to grocery stores, is about two and a half times what it is normally. Two and a half times what it is normally. Okay, and then what about your total yeah. volume? Uh, I mean, we were never uh, very big in the on-premise, which is bars and restaurants, just because yeah. there's, there's so many breweries in North Carolina now that every new brewery that opens basically wants to be in a bar and restaurant, so the competition becomes extremely fierce for the on-premise side. Yeah. So we kind of shifted over to the off-premise. And I mean, that's where we, you know, it's, just, it's easier for us. We haven't really seen a huge change, so overall our volume is up. That's awesome, man. You know, um, I I remember you talking about that, and I'll never forget the story because I loved it so much of when you first started, and it was just you, and you're putting kegs in the back of your truck and driving around restaurants in Raleigh trying to hawk your kegs. I thought that was so freaking awesome. And uh, then, you you know, we talked about shifting to what you're doing now. So that's... um, yeah, I I would imagine the sales are up uh, uh, at most grocery stores. They've been up in my household, dude. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> We're, yeah, I'm drinking a lot more beer than I normally do. Um, well, yeah. actually, I need to get some of yours. Do you do you who in uh, Charlotte would carry Aviator? I'm sorry. Who, who in Charlotte would carry your beer? Oh, Charlotte. Uh, we are in uh, most of the Harris Teeters over okay. in the Charlotte area. Okay. Uh, and uh, Food Lions, um, Lowe's. Okay. I got to head over to, there's a Harris Teeter near us. I'm going to head over there today, grab some. I'm glad you, glad you, glad we talked. I need something different. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So your shorts, your, but your staff's down a little bit. What, tell me about the staff. I mean, obviously you've got three, um, three restaurant locations there in town. Are, are, are you doing any, any business there, takeout or delivery, or are they just shut down? Oh no, we uh, well, we have two of the restaurants open. Um, the pizza, the pizzeria, and the beer shop restaurant that's open, and then the smokehouse is open. 
Uh, it took us a couple weeks to kind of figure out the business model for doing just basically, you know, pure um, delivery, you know, pickup and delivery. But once we got that figured out, we got, um, you know, we got the business going pretty well. Um, you know, we're not doing what we did before because we're designed mainly to be an on-premise, you know, come to this restaurant, sit down and eat. But uh, we've adapted pretty well and we have some deals going that are pretty lucrative, you know, for the customer. It's a just great deal for the customer. And so that kind of draws people in. So we, we're doing pretty well, we're getting a little better at it as time goes by. Um, you know, you just got to adapt and survive. So yeah, uh, we don't have much staff left. So we had to lay off, you know, about 80, 80%, 90% of the folks that we had um, because we just don't need everyone for, you know, basically a pickup delivery business. Yeah. Yeah. So did you go through the PPP application process? Oh, yeah, we had that in on day one, and that was pretty quick. Uh, it was very easy. It was a smooth process, simple paperwork. Just uh, partnered with our bank and, and put that in, and I think we were funded in two or three days. Oh, you already got fun- Oh, wow. Dude, that's the fastest I've heard. Who oh, is, yeah. Who is your bank? Uh, Fidelity Bank in Fuquay. God, good for them, man. That's awesome. Another example. I can't tell you how many folks I've spoken to for this series here on the podcast that had a smooth, quick experience with a community bank versus the experience folks have had with the large banks. In fact, many folks have transitioned their business from the larger banks, the national banks, to small community banks because they got nowhere with their existing large bank. They got in touch with a community bank that they had no relationship with already and got something done immediately. So hats off to all you community oh, banks that are you. out there. Yeah, well, I mean, in these banks, I mean, tell, tell Fidelity. You should let them listen to that. Fidelity Bank, good job. Way to go. Your value proposition is really shining right now, you and all your peers that are community banks across the country, because you all have really stepped up for small businesses, in particular from our experience since we serve restaurants. It's what we're hearing over and over again. So uh, I wonder what a wonderful story for community banks to tell, you know, in a time of – crisis for so many businesses they're they're really stepping up and helping out and doing everything they can and that's what their value prop is is relationships versus data and algorithms and profit you know profiteering <laughs> which is what we're seeing from some of the larger ones so that's good to hear man well then um yeah well okay mark so you got this funding you got two months to use it and 75 percent of it has to be on salary payroll how does that work I mean, basically, you know, you can, um, you know, you can bring some folks back to, to help you, you know, get, get things done. So, you know, that's kind of what we did. Okay. All right. Um, but you know, a lot, a lot of it is, you know, we can't, can't bring back everybody cause there's just, you know, there's not, not that much to do. Not enough so, to do. You know, yeah. Cause most of the operations shut down. Um, you know, it's just frustrating, but you know, I, I think this will be over, you know, late May, early June. Um, hopefully we start opening up again and get back to normal. Well, if anybody has shown an ability to be creative and adapt, (laughs) it's you, my friend. I, I, like I said, I, I love your story. I love the way you approach things. 
and I'm, I'm not surprised that you're calmly just managing through this. Um, do you – have you had delays or what's happening with um, the new facility that you're working on? Uh, we're still working through the permitting. Uh, we're at the tail end of the site plan approval, and we're about to submit the building plans. Um, so, I mean, it slowed us down a little bit. Um, we'll just work through it. It'll happen when it happens, but hopefully we're going to break ground in the next three or four months, I would hope. Um, but it's been a, about a two-and-a-half-year process to you know get the plans and permits and zoning and traffic studies and impact studies and you know, yeah. all the usual stuff. I mean, there's a lot to it that I don't think people are aware of. Um, you know, we have to count cars that go past our facility and our impact on that traffic and how that relates to the roads around us. And if we cha- if we affect them, we have to pay to have the roads updated. You know, and these are these are all the things that come into play. You know, the uh, if we have deliveries with these trucks, you know, can the trucks make the turns with the roads that are there? And you know, can they get into the facility? Can they get out? What's the impact to the neighborhood? You know, there's so it's, you know, two and a half years might seem like a long time, but it takes a long time to get all this kind of stuff done. Um, you know, we have to look at flow tests for water, for fire trucks, in case there's a fire. And, you know, is the infrastructure there? Is there enough fire hydrants? Is enough water pressure in that area? You know, the Duke's um, trying to figure out how to get enough power to that area so that we can, you know, run all the equipment. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot to it. Well, uh, um, actually, that, that stuff's fascinating. I, I, I guess I, I never really fully thought about all that, that goes into that. Do you – okay, so counting cars. How do you count cars? Uh, I mean, sp- like literally how do you count them? Is there some mechanism that you use? or and, and then But outside of that, how can you, how can you anticipate? Well, I, mean, you're vo- I mean, the number of cars passing through there is going to increase massively once you open – hopefully right so how does that work yep uh basically we got an outside firm that specializes in this. they look at the types of businesses we're putting into the facility and you know they they say well a coffee shop will generate this many trips per day um a coffee shop needs so many employees uh they need to come this direction uh they look at that they look at the restaurant the bars the concert venue and then they basically tally a total trip trips generated per day that's going to add to the current traffic count which they already know from ncdot and what's that impact to the roads and can people still flow through there and do they need to redirect roads or change stop signs and and traffic lights so there's a you know there's a lot that goes into it and it's not the town of fuquay that's the dot ncdot owns most of the roads which most people are very unaware of that they they see a backup like in a small town and they start blaming the town. It's not really the town. The town doesn't own the roads. It's the NCDOT. You know, and it's not really DOT's fault because they have a lot of roads. North Carolina has more roads than any other state except Texas. Those really? people are completely on it. Yeah. How about yeah. that? Is that crazy? How, um, more roads. How do you deter- I mean, I know this sounds. How do you determine what a road is? Is it. I mean, miles, just miles. Miles, road, okay, miles got it. Of, Yeah, and so it's, uh, you know, DOT is, you know, overwhelmed because of the growth in the state. Um, you, you know, have more so miles of roads than California? 
Yeah, yeah, North Carolina has more roads than any other state. That's amazing. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I cut you off. Yeah. I apologize. I don't know. It's all this weird crap we read on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, and it's uh, so when you put a facility in, you can't just you don't just build, right? And so we had a lot of t- questions a lot of time. Why didn't you guys start a building yet? And I'm like, well, you know, there's there's more to it than just putting a building up. You know, you have to look at the whole picture. You know, we're we're doing a lot of studies on drainage and water and where all the water, when it rains, where does it drain to? And a lot of it drains to our property. And how do we mitigate that, you know, to our neighbors? We don't want to flood their properties. So we have this big sand filter we're putting in to capture a lot of the rainwater. And basically what it does is it filters the water, but it also slows it down as it drains from the property. Yeah. You know, so there's those things that are involved. We have a huge network of concrete pipe going in underground to kind of mitigate a lot of this water issue. Um, you know, we put in, right now, a lot of the surface on that side is impervious, and we've made it, um, we've turned it into grass so that we can absorb some more of the water coming onto the site. So, that, you know, there's those kind of things, um, you know, parking and pavement and, you know, trying to figure out how to do all that in a, in a way that's cost effective. You know, the roads that are adjacent to the property, we have to develop those. They're public use roads, but we have to um, develop them, pave them, curb and gutter, sewer. So, you know, we got to figure all that out. And you will, as you always do, man. Tell me, tell us about the facility. I mean, it was 60 some odd thousand square feet, if I remember, coffee shop, a couple of restaurants. Remind me about the, the facility plans yeah it's um it's a 5.2 acre site that will contain 100 uh 201 parking spaces Hmm. uh we have a concert venue going in that'll hold up to about 600 people uh there's an outdoor cooking um pavilion uh we have a stage with a green room for the bands that has a full bar and air conditioning and uh there's five bars on site uh, one of them is elevated. It's a second-story bar. Uh, there's a huge restaurant. There's a little hidden speakeasy. Um, we have a distillery going in, which will make and serve liquor by the drink. Oh, what distillery? Uh, is it yours? Uh, Gold Leaf Distilling. We we have a small distillery that we've run for a couple years. Okay. Um, so we're going to move that over there. Um, we have the coffee shop going in. We have a restaurant going in. So we do some some cool different kinds of foods, some some really cool stuff from around the world. Yeah, there's there's a lot to it. <laughs> so, and, you know, employee wise, we'll probably be hiring sixty to seventy people in addition to just um, get that site running. So, Doesn't something like that make your town? I mean, that's almost a destination. Won't, won't people? Won't that attract more people to move to that area? I mean, that's such a big operation and a valuable thing for the for the city. Do you anticipate that? Yeah, I mean, as as time goes on, I mean, I think breweries need to realize that you can't have eight thousand breweries in full scale distribution in the United States. I mean, it's it's you know the the shelf space in the grocery store is growing, right? So. If you go back 10 years, there was maybe 30 feet of beer aisle, right? And now there's there's 80 feet on both sides. Hmm. And, and so you're basically, your sales are being diluted. 
So as time goes on, it's very hard to support a brewery and everything you're doing with just distribution. You know, unless you get sucked into, you know, you, you get bought out by one of these investment groups or a large brewery, and then you kind of jump on their distribution model. Yeah. Um, for, for a small local brewery, you know, you you have to, you know, everyone wants to grow and do things. Um, the only, you have to look at the different ways you can grow. And so one of the ways you can grow is just, just be an, an on-site destination. You know, brew the beer and sell all the beer to all the people coming to your brewery. So there's breweries in the United States that are selling 100,000 barrels of beer on site. Mm. So gracious. our goal is, I mean, we, we love drinking beer, hanging out with people, you know, so we're just doing what we what we like to do, and that's make beer. And the best beer you serve is the beer you serve at your own bar. So Yeah, for sure. Know, business-wise, right? So basically you just create like a beer Disneyland, and that's kind of what we're doing. A beer Disneyland. I love it. Well, the concerts, yeah. all the stuff that go along with that. Okay, I've got to ask you this then. You got some land around you you can buy up and put in some mountain biking trails and stuff like that for all the outdoor enthusiasts that also like to hang out and drink beer when they're done? Yeah, you know, it's and that's one of the things we looked at was, you know, where do we want to put this brewery? You know, like I think Sierra Nevada is beautiful. Mm. Um, but for us, you know, we just had this opportunity to open our brewery right in town right behind our bars and restaurants. And we kind of considered opening the brewery kind of out in the country a little bit, you know, kind of like Sierra Nevada did, but we just, we thought it'd be easier just to be located with everything together. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, ideally we thought it'd be cool to open the brewery and build an airport, you know, for oh, brewery, and we no. go flying <laughs> yeah. and, and brew beer at the same time. But, um, you know, we just ended up, I think putting the brewery in the center of town is the way to go. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just what the United States used to be. There used to be breweries in every town before prohibition. Yeah. You know, so we're kind of just going back to what we were. Love it, man. It's a good, good way to do it. Um, yeah. Well, okay, man. I always enjoy talking to you, Mark. You've got just a can-do, positive attitude willing to change adjust tweak just you just roll with whatever the issue is and just take it one step at a time and figure stuff out it's why you built your own damn plane i just i love the mentality man it's it's uh it's inspiring and contagious which is a good thing uh what else is on your mind right now man anything else uh we're working you know it's slowed down a little bit for us um you know as far as you know, dealing with all the bars and restaurants, it takes a lot of our time. So with some of this extra time we have, we got a few new beers we're working on, which are kind of cool. Uh, so we're messing around with that, uh, which is fun. Um, you know, at the brewery here, we're tweaking all the machines. You know, our canning line will run up to about 600 cans per minute. But there's a few little things we needed to fix, so we're fixing those right now. Right now we're running about 350 cans a minute, which is screaming. Mm. Um but the guys on the back end, we still manually pack the cans into cases, so they can't really go past 300. Yeah. <laughs> They're like an octopus, man, putting the cans okay. in the trays. Um, but, you know, the faster you can package, you know, the, the more efficient you can be, so the more beer you can put out. So we're, we're looking at trying to automate the back end of our canning line, looking at machines to do that, you know, put the cans in the trays and the trays on a pallet all through automation. Um, we're going to implement that once we move to the new brewery. So we're, we're really embracing a lot of automation for everything. 
Love it, man. Because, yeah, it just makes everyone more efficient here. You know, the guys that we do have, we, we can make more money, we can pay them better, you know, so it, it works out. Mark, what about, do you, what do you think about this? You know, you were mentioning, and you think hopefully by the end of May, this kind of passes through, and we, we hope so. Do you, do you think about long-term psychological scarring and impacts of this social distancing? I mean, here you've got this giant facility you're going to build. That's, the goal is to get lots of people there uh, hanging out together. Any concerns about that? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I, you know, it's we're in the midst of it right now, right? So we always have the doom and gloomers that say, you know, this is the end of the world. We're never right. having concerts again. We're never going to have sporting events, you know. And, um, you know, I also, it, it's always funny to kind of listen to that kind of thing because, I mean, people by their nature, I mean, we're social animals, right? Yep. So we, we can't exist in these, um, you know, bubbles <laughs> that everyone keeps talking about. Uh, you know, the virus is going to come and go just like things do, uh, you know, and someone, there's going to be some solution, some vaccine, something. Um, you know, even now, if you look at it, there's 500 people in Wake County, uh, you know, infected out of a million people. So, you know, I, yeah, I get it. I may agree with everything that's going on, but this will blow over just like everything else. You know, you got to remember 10 years ago, everyone was freaking out about the bird flu. And how, you know, um, that was supposed to, you know, wipe everyone out on the planet. And, you know, that never really happened. You know, it's just everything will blow over. You just have to give it time. So you have to plan for the, you know, just for what you do. Um, you know, we, we could, you know, just give up and say, oh, no one's ever going to go to a concert again. <laughs> just pack everything up. But you can't be like that. You got to look on the bright side. Um, concerts are going to come back. You know, sporting events will come back. It's just, you know, a matter of time. You know, um, there's that saying from Warren Buffett, um, be fearful when everybody's greedy and be greedy when everybody's fearful. And in yep. not same thing is sort of, you know, you can't time the stock market, but when the, when the stock market explodes or blows up, that is, or tanks, probably a good time to invest because if you look at the long-term trajectory of the stock market or of our, our country, our economy, betting against America's never been a really good bet. Um, and I think that yeah. one of the things I love about your perspective is you are continuing to invest into, you know, the long play here. And those that don't uh, or those that give up just means that those that do have uh, a larger win on the on the other side of this. Um, so I, I congratulate you. I tip my hat. I, I love that mentality. I can't imagine operating with any other mentality uh, just for pure mental health reasons alone. Um, I, I, you, oh, know, I know. You, you have to yeah. think that way. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you know, it's just – yeah, I would get it. You kind of like, why bother? So I'm glad you're doing that, man. We need people to think that way. We need people to, you know, take the, take PPP or whatever you can get, but just, it is what it is. It's, it can be used for what it is, but it's a short term little tiny bridge right now. And we, we need people to think creatively, um, optimistically and make adjustments and tweaks. And here's the, the best time we've ever had to think through every aspect of your your business, your business model, 
make adjustments, get more efficient, uh, and, and invest into what, what can be, if you do it right and you have a good foundation to start with a, a great future. Um, so I, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a virus and we deal with this all the time. You know, we have, we have a lot of employees, you know, 170, someone's always sick. We get people coming to work and they might have the flu or just had the flu and, and we deal with it constantly. So when this came around, it's kind of the same thing. Hey man, if, you, if you're feeling sick or you're not, you know, go home, you're, you're sick, you're still contagious. You know, we wipe everything down, you know, because we deal with this all the time. We've had a case where a guy had the flu, came to work and, you know, a couple of the other guys got sick. So now, you know, Hey, leave the building, man. He got the flu and we wipe everything down. And so, you know, I know this is a little more extreme, but, um, you know, it's just it's something that will pass. This too shall pass. Yeah, the sun will rise tomorrow. Um, yeah. Well, it's good to hear that, man. I think, you know, people need to hear that. We are um, we are social, and we like to be around other people. We like to talk to other people. We like to hear other people. It's why we're thankful to be doing this podcast right now, because everybody is isolated. So it's a good good way for to, you know, spread some, hopefully, some positive vibes and some good uh, optimistic outlooks for so- folks to, you know, remind them that, hey, you know, hang in there. We're going to get through it and uh, make, make good use of your time right now so that you're ready to roll when uh, the, the, the doors exactly. open back up. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it, man. That's what we're doing. You know, just planning for the future, getting getting everything fixed and ready. And, you know, we figure we got another four to six weeks, you know, getting ready to open. Well, uh, Mark, man, I'm going to let you roll. I, I appreciate it a lot, and I very much look forward to But when is your – when do you hope to open your new facility? Oh, you know, I don't know, man. Best case. I break ground in the next three or four months. Okay. If I can break ground three or four months, uh, it'll take ten months to build. So okay. I guess that will put us in, what, June, July, August. So okay. ten months from August probably. All right. So well, it looks like, you know, mid – you know, maybe early to mid 2021. Okay. Cannot wait to see you there, yeah. my friend. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Um, anything I can ever do for you, you know where I am, my friend. I appreciate it, Will. Thank you. All right. See you, man.